Blessed be his wonderful name. Where's my, Danny, where's my football? Come on, Danny, give me a nice pass. That's a strong arm. It is football season. We have already begun camp. And I want to make sure that all of my Bears fans don't get all this worked up thinking that this is going to be the year, because it's not. I don't want your love for the Bears to be worse than the pandemic and give you hope, keep you hopeless. But I do want to talk to you uh, about something that every single one of us, beginning with the speaker, needs to be reminded of today. One of the bears, I would probably say their greatest adversary would be who? The Packers, the Green Bay Packers, up there in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, most Packer fans know that way back when, there was a, a coach for the Packers who is considered one of the greatest coaches in football history. His name is Vince, or was Vince Lombardi. He was a great, great coach. And every new season, he would begin training camp by lifting up the football and telling his players, this is a football. Now think about that for a moment. He is talking to professionals. He is talking to people who have played football for years and years. Some are veterans on the team. And yet every single year, his opening statement in training camp would be, this is a football. And the reason why he did that is because he believed that mastering the fundamentals was the key to success. And so he began right at the very basic that this is a football. He realized that even the veterans from time to time, if they were not careful, would neglect the fundamentals. That they would ease up and loosen up on the fundamentals. And that would lead to losing. Here, Danny, hold on for that for me. The old man still got a little arm. It's underarm, but it's okay. It's all right. Now, here's the truth about this. In, in professional sports, no one ever truly masters the fundamentals. In fact, you will find that in any sport, regardless of whether it's football, basketball, baseball, every professional, especially those that are at the elite, the elite of all the professionals, they practice the fundamentals more than anybody else. You would think that they, they were so great that they would not need to, but they were part of their greatness was the fact that they never took for granted that they, uh, that they knew the fundamentals. They were always working on the fundamentals because they knew no one ever truly masters them. Now, why I'm taking the time to share all that is because there are fundamentals in Christianity. And 
it's important that you and I understand what those fundamentals are. And the fact of the matter is that no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been serving God, no matter how long you've been on this Christian journey, every single one of us must always be working on the fundamentals because none of us ever truly masters them. The fundamentals, what we all need to be working on. We're on this Kingdom Principles series and our, our little walk through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are looking at chapter 22 today. I'm going to begin reading in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Come on, say equally important with me. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come before you this morning. Oh, we praise and magnify your name. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We thank you for your wonderful presence that's with us here this morning. We thank you for your word that we now want to take this simple journey through it. That we are asking you, Holy Spirit, to give us revelation into. That you would open every single eye, the eye of our heart, afresh and anew. So that we don't... Uh, just approach this from, well, I already know that basis, but that, God, we would see something fresh, something new, something that will help us in our spiritual journey with you. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. So now, the fundamentals, that's the title of this message and what we're going to be looking at, uh, all center around love. There are two basic fundamentals that I want to leave with you today that are centered around love. And the first one is love for God. Love for God. Now, our relationship with God always, 100% of the time, has to come first. If God is not number one in our life, we've already failed on the fundamental. Love for God has to be at the very forefront of our entire life. And now there's a difference, a marked difference between love for God and religion. You see, religion has to deal basically with following some rules and regulations, things that are laid out saying, well, this is how you're supposed to live, uh, some of the commandments and so forth. And what I've discovered in my own journey with God is that you can have religion, but religion doesn't mean that you love God. In fact, you can have religion without loving God. 
I used to uh, be part of a religion, and I would go uh, regularly uh, up until I got into my late teen years. I would go regularly. I did everything that they were supposed to do. The only problem is I had no relationship with God. I just did it because I, to- I was told by my parents, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is, this is who we are. And so I-, I had religion, but I had no relationship with God, and I certainly did not love God. You can have a religion, but no relationship. We can follow a set of rules and regulations about how to live for God without actually loving God. And Christianity isn't about rules and regulations. That's why I always encourage people, don't give somebody rules and regulations. None of us can live by them. Rules and regulation don't change you on the inside. Only God can do that. And only God can do that as you build a relationship with him. And that relationship has to be founded on love. Love for God. It's, it's all about loving God. With, and notice the, the standard. You and I are supposed to love God with our entire being, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. That means everything that's within me, all my emotions, all my mental capacities, all my desires, my, my, my dreams, everything. All of that has to line up behind the fact I love God. God. Are you with me so far? Oh, that was weak. Are you with me so far? <laughs> I just want to make sure. See, I, I knew, see it, the reason this is a fundamental uh, that is so critical is because without loving God, there is no Christianity. There's no Christianity if we don't have a relationship with God. We're just like every other religion on the face of this earth. No, Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship, and that relationship has to be centered on love for God and loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. That's why this fundamental is something that you and I are always need to be working on, something that none of us ever truly masters. Loving God with everything that we have, every single day, constantly loving God. And here's a reason why this is so challenging. Let me tell you why this fundamental is something that you and I can never take for granted, that we must always be working on. It's because we live in a time and and in a world whereby there is temptation all around us. And the temptation is for you and I to share our love. Listen to me now. The temptation, the greatest temptation you and I could ever face. Let me backtrack for a moment so you get to where I'm coming from. What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? Did we not read that? That's the greatest commandment. Therefore, it is safe to say that the greatest sin is the failure to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Are you with me around that? That, That's the greatest sin. So, what does our adversary want to do? 
our adversary targets our love for God. And he just wants you to share it because it's all supposed to go for God, but his desire is to get you to split or to share your love. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. The, the, the apostle John writes, do not what? Love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have love of the Father in you. Boy, isn't that clear? Isn't that pointed? The apostle John is saying, here it is, God. Do not love the world and the things that it has to offer. Everything that this world has to offer has its foundation in one thing and one thing alone. It's competing for your love. It wants to take the love that you have for God and bring it onto itself and to, and, and, or whatever it is that it might have to offer. This world is constantly vying for our love. And our love for God wanes in proportion to the love that we have for the things that this world has to offer. Our love for God wanes in proportion to the love that we have for the things that this world has to offer. The temptation is to be drawn to love money, to love material things, to love careers, to love all, whatever you, you can name, whatever it is that draws our love it wants to captivate our love so that we fall in love with that thing. Why? Because, see, the enemy knows if the more you fall in love with that thing, the less you fall in love with God. You cannot love both of them. The minute you begin to fall in love with this, your love for God starts to wane. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he what? Loved this world, has deserted me, and gone to Thessalonica. Demas was a missionary who was helping Paul on a missionary trip. So here's a, here's a Christian. He loves God. He's on a mission trip serving with Paul, uh, ministering the gospel into places where the gospel has not reached. But something happened to Demas's heart. Somewhere along his spiritual journey, uh, the, the things that this world has to offer started getting in, and it got into the measure that in the middle of a missionary trip, demon says, I'm out of here. I don't want to serve God anymore. I don't want to do anything anymore. I'm going to Thessalonica. Why? Because I can really get down in Thessalonica. The thing that I love is in Thessalonica. This is no different than you and I. I could be pastoring today and tomorrow gone. And he said, well, what happened to Pastor Carlos? He loved the world. Something from the world got into his heart and grabbed his love to the measure that the thing he thought he would never do, he did. And that is he abandoned God. He abandoned the ministry. All because 
he started loving something he should have never loved, you see. Ultimately, love for this world will drain your love for God. And ultimately, that means you, it will cause you to walk away from the things of God. Now, think that this is something critical, important? You bet your butt it is. In fact, listen to this. Jesus, speaking about the end times, what, what's happening in the, going to happen in the world and what's going to go on just prior to the return of the Lord that we were singing about earlier. Listen in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Jesus said, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will go cold. That means prior to the Lord's return, in this life, sin is going to be rampant, which means we ought not to be surprised of the increase of wickedness. The increase of wickedness in this world only signifies that Jesus is drawing near. The return of the Lord is nearer now than it's ever been before. Why? Because there's been an increase of wickedness now unlike we've never seen before. But Jesus did also state this, that because of that increase, because of sin's increase, it will have an impact in the church. What kind of impact? The love of most will grow cold. Not, listen, the love of many will grow cold. Do you know you could be in church regularly every week and still have a cold heart toward God? Oh, yeah. We can sing all the right songs. We can lift up our hands like they say, lift up our hands. We can utter praises to God. And we can do that all with a cold heart toward God. That's how deceptive we can be. We're no different. Our relationship with God is no different than our relationship with one another. Let's be totally honest and upfront here. In, in marriage, you can do everything right and not love your spouse. Yeah, you can do it. You can get, work your job, bring home the money, uh, work to uh, pay the bills and do everything you got to do for the household. Be there when you need to be there. You can go through all the motions and not be in love with one another. And sometimes pay, uh, spouses do that for the sake of the children, if I could say that. And our relationship with God is no different Jesus said, toward the end, right before I come back, the love of many is going to get cold towards me. As hard as that may seem, let's remind ourselves of one more thing. When the Apostle John was taken up to heaven and he began to uh, have a conversation with Jesus and Jesus dictated to John seven letters that was to go to uh, seven churches. One of the churches was the church at Ephesus. And this church, which by the way, uh, historically we believe the, the pastor of this church was Timothy, who uh, Paul wrote a, a couple of letters to, who was Paul's protege. Listen to what Jesus had to say about this church. Yet, in uh, Revelation chapter two, verse four, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love 
you had at first. This church had all of the physical attributes. They were doing ministry. They were doing all the things on the outside that seemed right to do as a church. And yet, Jesus was recording something all along. They're doing all of that without loving me. You see, God is not impressed just with activity. Because he looks at the heart. He said, what, what God is after is the motive. Why do you do what you do? And what God had recorded to this church, which, by the way, is also a recording for all of us to remind us, do, should we do all these activities to reach out in our community and do whatever we can to help people? Absolutely. But what good is all of that if we're not in love with God? Love for God is always our number one priority in life. It's the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. If we don't guard our heart in loving for God, then it will grow cold, just like Jesus said it would toward the end. That's why we need to guard our hearts this morning, brothers and sisters. We need to recognize, this is a fundamental nobody ever fully masters. Because there's so many things that are always looking to draw our hearts away. And it might seem minuscule in the beginning, and, but that's when you really got to guard. Because it may seem like it's not a big deal. But the moment you open the door to that, that little thing becomes big. And before you know it, you can look at yourself back and say, how did I ever get here, God? And we'll be able to say, you got here because of that day that you opened your heart and gave your love to something other than God. That's number one in the fundamentals, love for God. Number two in our fundamentals is, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Notice that Jesus said, put, could you put verse 39 back up on the screen for a moment? Jesus said, a second is equally important. I want you to notice Jesus said, this is equally important as loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Equally important is loving your neighbor. I mean, we don't have time to turn to him. We won't for right now. But if you read, no, you know what? Let's read it. In, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said this, love for one another is uh, is." what was going to identify us, you and I, as the, uh, the, the, the character trait of Christianity, right? Uh, let me read that. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another, each other. Your love for one another will prove through the world that you are my disciples. Notice, Jesus was very pointed in saying, first of all, I want you to love one another, but here's the measuring stick. You have to love your brother the way I love you. You have to love your sister the way I love you. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. 
Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Jesus has given us this standard by which we're to love one another. And he said, if you have this kind of love in your midst, that is going to send the message out to everybody else that you are truly my disciples, my followers. Love for one another. Again, this is a fundamental that no one ever truly masters. You don't master it, I don't master it. This is why years, years later, the same Apostle John who, who penned this quote of Jesus, now in the second letter, uh, the second letter of John, toward the end of your Bible, you'll find it. In chapter one, John says this, I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that you should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. So in other words, John is saying, hey, I, I, I want to write to you something and I, here's what I want to write to you. I'm not writing to you something new. Oftentimes in Christianity, we get stuck on wanting to find what the latest thing is, the new, what's the new thing God is doing. But God is never doing something new in the sense that his revelation has already been given to us. And my God, if we could just master this, we'd be all right. But the fact of the matter is, uh, we're always challenged to love one another. I know I'm not the easiest person to love. Just ask my wife. You all heard that yes, right? That was her all the way from the back. Yes. And people think I'm the bad guy, you see? No, I really am. But isn't this the truth? Isn't this always a challenge for us? Because somewhere along the way, you're going to come up to somebody in church that in the natural, you don't like. In the natural, you just don't click. You ever come across somebody like that? I, I, okay, I'll just use me. I have come across people like that. Some of you are sitting right here. In the natural, we're just like, eh. See, it's easy to love somebody that you get along with. That's not a challenge. The challenge comes in when you have to love somebody that you don't get along with, that you don't see eye to eye with. And Jesus said, I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. You see, without love in the church, it's pointless to gather. I don't, didn't say that. The apostle Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. He says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained what? Nothing. See, you can do all the things you can do. You can be involved in so many ministries, but if in the end, the reason why you're in ministry isn't because you love the people of God, then you've just wasted your time. You've gained nothing. 
You say, well, yeah, but I'm involved because I love God. You cannot love God, the Bible says, if you don't love your brother or your sister. If we profess to love God, then we must love one another. Because Jesus said, this commandment is equally as important as loving God. Somebody once told me, Pastor, I love God. It's the people of God I can't stand. It's true. Somebody told me that. And I told that person, you have a real major problem because you're deceived. You cannot love God, the Bible says, whom you can, haven't seen if you can't love the person that God has saved and God lives in, who you can't see. Those are not my words. It's the Bible's words. And there are times that we believe, we fall into this trap. I can give all my love to God. I don't have to give my love to anybody else. I don't have to be involved in anybody else's life. I don't have to do anything. I can just chill, me and God, me and God. Well, if you don't love your neighbor, then have you not broken the second greatest commandment, the one that Jesus said is equally as important as the first one? You see, this is a, a fundamental that none of us ever truly masters. Because just when you think you love everybody, here he comes into your life. Brother Snobby. And Brother Snobby starts letting you know and puts you in your place. And you're like, who does this snobby person think they are? I don't need you. And all of a sudden now, you push aside and don't want anything to do with that person. Can I be, again, super transparent with you? You've known me by now. I don't pull punches. I want to talk straight to you. The thing that grieves me the most in church is when there are people who come to the same church that won't talk to one another. Amen. Think about the hypocrisy of that. They sit on each opposite sides of the church. We won't talk to each other. Why? Well, because, you, you know, we, we, got, we got issues. Yeah, you got major issues with you and God first because you cannot love God if you don't love your brother or your sister. Now, can you take one more? Buckle your seatbelt. Come on, look at your name and say, buckle your seat, bro. The ride's going to get a little bumpy. It's going to get a little bumpy, but it's good for us. Because this love your neighbor as yourself isn't restricted just to the people in church. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus said, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your what? Come on, let's say it again. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Oh my. Oh my. Loving your enemies. You want to be a true child of God? You can't stop at even loving people in church. Jesus said, you want to be a true child of God? 
love your enemy. Because, again, we might be able to manage loving one another in here. But what about those that disagree with us? What about those that make no bones about actually hating us? We are living at a time where there is a release of the spirit of anger. There's a release of a spirit of division. And, and there's, everything is being spewed out, uh, not just in the very forefront of people's lives, but then also through social media. Everybody is angry at somebody for some reason. How it must be grieving God to say, my children who are supposed to be like me, I loved my enemy. And I demonstrated that by dying on the cross for them. You and I, if we really want to call ourselves Christians, we've got to realize these two fundamentals have to be part of our life. We have to be working on these fundamentals, loving God and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Why? Because notice even Jesus said, that's what makes you a true child of God. That's what really sets you apart from everybody else. Pastor Jason, if you would come, let me give you the kingdom principle for today. It's a simple one, and that is that love must be the core of all relationships. Love has to be the core of our relationship with God. It has to be at the core of our relationship with one another. By the way, it's why in our church, one of our core values is love loving one another, loving each other as Christ loves us. That's one of our core values. Why? Because we want everybody who comes into this place to experience being loved. This world is starving for love. And we want this to be an atmosphere, a place where people, above all things, will say, I don't know about that preacher. He wasn't the best. You know, the guy leading the keyboard and the worship and all that, they, they were good. But man, I felt like I belonged there. They treated me like I was family. I felt loved. Love is the most powerful of all the attributes of God. And here's why, simply put, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. We are never more like God than when we love. Especially when we love those that don't love us back. These two fundamentals, I wish we could get to a place where we would all master them. But being transparent this morning, as we ought to be, we all know, beginning with the speaker, we need the power of God flowing in and through our lives to live this way. Because it's not natural to us. 
It doesn't, none of this comes natural to us. We, loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, we need the help of the Holy Spirit because we, the, it's the Holy Spirit that could help us guard our hearts from all of the things that are vying for its attention, for its love. To, to bring it to our forefront and say, stay away from that thing. It will draw the love of God away from you. It will wane if you keep going after that. The Holy Spirit will help us with that. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to love our neighbor as ourselves, whether that neighbor is in church or outside the church. Would you stand with me this morning? Pastor Jason in a moment is gonna lead us in a song. But here's a couple of questions to consider about your own heart. This is not for your neighbor. This is for you. Ask yourself, how's my relationship with God? Am I really loving God with all of my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind? Or are there other love interests in my life? How's my relationship with others, with my neighbor? How's my relationship inside the fabric of the church? Am I loving everybody the way I ought to be loving them? And what about outside the church? How am I, for those of us who are in the social media, do my posts on social media demonstrate love? Especially for those that I don't agree with. People say, well, does that mean you can't disagree? No, you can disagree. But you can certainly disagree in love. And the Holy Spirit can show us how to do that in a way that honors and glorifies God. Amen.